Romans chapter number 1. Turn there with me. Romans chapter number 1. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1. And uh, we'll get down to where we want to start in, uh, oh, about two hours. Verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. I love that. You know, there are places where Paul will say, uh, Paul the prisoner. But you know, he never says Paul the prisoner of Rome. It's always Paul the prisoner of the Lord. Because Paul believed that wherever he was, it was the will of God for him. And if he was in prison in the will of God, he was still a prisoner of the Lord, not of Rome. I, I would that we all could get a grasp of that as well and say no matter where I am, no matter what is happening in my life, uh, I am a prisoner or a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. This is important. Separated into the gospel of God. Separated into the gospel of God. Now you might not be one that would write in your Bible, but I write in mine until I have to buy a new one. Um, I have underlined in red, separated into the gospel of God. And I emphasize that for this reason. If we can get a hold of what we are separated unto, we won't have so much trouble with what we're separated from. It is our pleasure to be separated unto the gospel of God. It is our pleasure to be separated unto God. That should answer a lot of other things. It should take care of a lot of things that we fret over and worry over. Verse number two, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now think about that. Uh, Paul had not been to Rome. It was his great desire to go, and he'll mention it a number of times, uh, even here in the book of Romans. It was his great desire uh, to go to Rome. But he had heard of them, and word had been spread about them, and what Paul says is that wherever I go and, and your church comes up, your faith is spoken of. Now, when your church is brought up in conversation to those around the country or perhaps around the world that know you, what is your testimony? Or perhaps as an individual, what is our testimony? I think of uh, Barnabas in uh, Acts chapter 4. We're introduced to him. 
And we're told that his parents did not name him Barnabas. They named him Joseph. But the church saw something in him that caused them to change his name. And so instead of calling him Joseph, they called him Barnabas, which meant son of consolation. Evidently, Barnabas was a great encourager in the church. God gives a generation just ever once in a while an Apostle Paul. But I believe we could all be Barnabases, sons of consolation, believers of encouragement. Oh, this man Barnabas had certainly done a great thing in giving the church a gift gave it to the Lord through the church, and distribution was made. And undoubtedly, that was a great blessing to uh, the church membership. But I believe that he was called Barnabas before that ever took place. I don't think the church loved Barnabas because of what he gave. I think the church loved Barnabas because they knew Barnabas loved the church. So they, they stopped calling him Joseph. I guess today we would call that a nickname. Uh, they changed his name uh, to Barnabas. Uh, what, if, what if the church got together and changed your name? What would, what would they call you? Blessing? Encourager? Faithful? Murmurer? Complainer? Have you ever asked someone, how are you doing? And wanted to slap your own face for asking the question? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I mean, some folks just the cloud hang over their head all the time. It's just going to break out and rain just any second, you know. Well, Barnabas had a testimony, and so did the church at Rome, and so do you as an individual and as a church. Now, here, here's something wonderful about, uh, in Barnabas's case, and even in, a, in the case of a church. If we are not pleased with the testimony that we have left, if we are not pleased with how we are known, we can change that. We can make a better testimony for ourselves or a better testimony for our church. And do you know... For those of you who, who live here, there are people out in the area that the only thing they know about this church is what they know about you. Mm, that, that should put us on alert, shouldn't it? When, when, we get, when we get mad at the clerk, the store, the gas station, the grocery store. We should always be on alert about how we are representing ourselves, our Lord, and of course our church. So Paul said, I want to, I want to thank the Lord that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Uh, verse 9, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests, if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Paul said, I so want to come and visit you. Verse 11, for I long to see you. 
I long to see you. Why did Paul long to see the church in Rome? Why do these brethren long to go to these places in the, in the mission field? Why? Uh, so that maybe one day they could uh, come home and, and, and maybe get a job with Travel and Leisure magazine. No, there's good reasons why missionaries want to get to the mission field. Look at this in verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. Again, in verse 12. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And verse 13. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but, uh, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. So I see at least three reasons here that Paul wanted to go to Rome, and it was with divine purpose. He says, first of all, I want to come and share with you what God has invested in me. All of us that have been saved for any length of time at all, God has endued us with certain abilities or certain gifts that we can now plug into the church and bestow that on others. Well, Paul's ministry was an itinerant ministry. The longest time Paul ever stayed in one place was two years. Stayed in Ephesus a year and a half, or two years, and then in, in Corinth a year and a half. Uh, stayed in uh, Antioch of Syria a year. And the rest of the time, Paul started the church in Thessalonica in four weeks. So he was from one place to another place to another place as he traveled around. And he says, as I come to be with these various people, and now his wish was to go to Rome, he said, I want to impart unto you what God has given me. And should that not be the desire of all of us that are saved by grace? You say, well, well Weston, I don't, I don't have much to offer. Well, humility is a wonderful thing. Uh, but a warm handshake, a smile, and God bless you could be good. Uh, working in the nursery? You don't, you don't want me to work in the nursery. Uh, you say the kids would be frightened to death of you. Actually, kids are, are not generally afraid of me. I'm afraid of them. You don't know what they'll do, you know, or say, or tell on you. <laughs> I had a, a youth director when I was pastoring. He was a tall, lanky fellow, redhead. Uh, he was married but didn't have any children. But kids absolutely loved him. Uh, he would park a, across the street uh, in the parking lot we had uh, over there behind the church. And by the time he would get to the church, there'd be a kid hanging on each leg and each arm. And he'd come bringing them into church. Uh, they never come to hang on me. I ran. I love kids. I absolutely adore kids. Uh, but it's just not my thing. And if, and if God has so endowed you that you could spend an hour in one room with a whole crowd of them, you're a blessing. You've been gifted, hallelujah. 
And, and, and you are a great help and blessing to many a young parent that can come into church and sit and listen and pay attention to what is going on. Whatever the uh, blessing or endowment or gift that God has blessed you with, it is good that you use it for the glory of God and the house of God. And so Paul said, I want to come and see you. Why, Paul, why do you want to go to Rome so badly? He says, because if possible, I'll be able to teach and preach there and I can take some things that God has given me and I can be a blessing to the Lord's people. But that wasn't the only reason. Verse 12 said, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Paul said, not only will I seek to be a blessing to you, but he said, I just know if I could come, you'd be a blessing to me as well. Have you ever gone to the hospital to visit someone to encourage them and come away more encouraged yourself? I've never visited a mission field that I've gone to that I, I my intention is I want to be a blessing. There have only been a few times in uh, 31 years that I, that I have gone to a mission field intentionally to try to work on a problem. Very few times. Missionaries are good folk. Love them. Praise God for what he's doing through their lives. And it's rare that I, that I have to, through the years, I've had to handle things uh, that were just so out of hand that I had to spend thousands of dollars to go try to take care of. No, most of the time I've gone to the mission field is to try to be an encouragement and a blessing and to say to the missionary families that are out there, we haven't forgotten you. We love you. And if there's anything that we can do for you back on this side, we want to do it. I don't go for inspection. I believe, uh, listen, we, we, we have young folks coming with our mission now. But I'll, I'll ask Brother John O'Malley, our general director, I'll say, John, do these kids have permission from their parents to be here? And they will have kids themselves. They, they look so incredibly young. But I don't care how young a fellow is. If God has called him to the ministry, his calling is just as precious as anybody else's. And so I don't try to get in the way of guys that have been called by God to go do a job. But I do love to go see them. I love to visit them. And I want to be a blessing and an encouragement to them. But inevitably, they'll be more of a blessing to me than I could possibly ever be to them. As we try to invest our abilities in the lives of others, we find that we gain from them as much, if not more, than we are giving to them. These uh, mission fields that you are supporting, it isn't just a one-way flow. You're a better church because you do. You're an enriched church because you do. Because these folks are undoubtedly a blessing to you. And can you imagine what it's going to be like when we get on the other side? Oh yeah, and, and, and you get to walk among these people that have been led to Christ by missionaries that you've sent to the mission field. Oh wow, you could spend quite a time just doing that. Can you imagine walking down uh, the streets of glory and, and meeting one of your missionaries and they say, hey, let me introduce you to a group of people. They're right over here. And it introduces you to a church that you have helped support. 
I say they'll be a blessing to us even when we get on the other side. So Paul said, I long to see you. I want to come and be with you is that I can impart to you what God has done for me and that you can take the faith that you have and mutually we will grow in this great and marvelous faith. I am so encouraged when going to fields around the world and meeting people who live far, far different than I do. Uh, look different, act different, uh, eat different, uh, think different, and yet find that they love the same God that I love. I remember some years ago I was in uh, Jakarta in Indonesia, and we went out uh, to an outlying area, and uh, it was every house in this neighborhood was built out of the dump. They would just collect a piece of tin or a piece of wood or something, and, and they would add it to what was already there. And one of the fellows went in that neighborhood and started a church. And so on one, on one side of that shanty, they built an, another room, and that, that was the church. It was, it was quite small, but Indonesian people are quite small. I lost my luggage there. Well, before I got there, actually. And uh, they gave me some money to buy some clothes in Indonesia. I found an American uh, thrift shop. I bought three suits of clothes, three pair of pants, three shirts for $9. Warm for years. They were very nice clothes. Finally uh, found my luggage. But uh, finding something uh, big enough for a fellow like me is not all that easy. And when you go into this little room, you think, well, how many can you get in there? They can get quite a few in there. And, uh, and they used uh, lanterns, like gas lanterns for light. Well, it, it's already uh, 85, 86, 87 degrees. Humidity is 1,000.5. It's like, it's like an oven. And, and they, they even had these uh, frames on the wall. And I'm pretty sure they were Bible verses. Almost certain. Looked like it had, you know, a, a chicken had stepped in ink and walked across paper, you know, and then down at the bottom it had something. So I'm pretty sure it was a Bible verse that they could actually read. And uh, I sat there and I was just, I was just absolutely taken by such strange and different surroundings. And then a fella came in with this, it looked to me to be a homemade stringed instrument. And he started plucking out amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And something on the inside of me says, whoopee, ah, this is my family. I'm home. Oh, how they enrich our lives as we get involved in their lives. And Paul said, I just know, as it has happened to me in Ephesus and, and Corinth and, and uh, Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and Antioch of Pisidia, I just know that if I could get to you, the same thing would happen as well. Then he goes on to say in verse 13, Now I would not have you ignorant. I love that, don't you? Paul didn't want us to be ignorant. Don't you? 
you know, uh, ignorance is the absence of knowledge. We're all ignorant about certain things. But, you know, if you find an area that you're ignorant in and if you're interested in it, there's a book on it. If there's not, there's a YouTube. You, you can learn. There's something we can do about ignorance. We can learn. Can't do much for stupid. You're just plagued. If you've got it, you just got it. And bless your heart, there's not much you can do about it. <laughs> there's, well, thank God uh, Paul would say, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. In other words, he just wanted them to know how badly he wanted to come and be with them. Uh, I would not have you ignorant to be ignorant, brethren. He said that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto. And here's the third that. I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Now there's a lot of uh, fruit that we as Christians can bear. We can bear the fruit of conduct. We can bear the fruit of character. But I think in this case, Paul is talking about bearing the fruit of converts. I think Paul says, hey, if I could come and see you, we would surely see some people saved as well. And so this made him excited about the possibilities. Well, we're hoping the same thing for each of these missionaries. Hopefully, they'll not have a ministry like Isaiah had. They'll go and preach and teach, but hearts will be hardened and ears will be stopped and, and no one will pay attention to them. Hopefully, there will be those that will respond to the gospel and be saved by God's grace. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're wishing for. And I'm sure that's what they're hoping for as they go there. But I tell people all the time, hey, listen, the one way to save yourself from disappointment is this. Don't go to the mission field because you love people. Go to the mission field because you love God. And God will teach you how to love people. It's an it's a earth-shaking thing when you spend a couple of years on deputation to get to a part of the world and you have wept tears over their souls to get there only to find they wish you'd go home. But if God called you there, you'll stay there because you love Him. And over time, God would teach you to love those people that despise you. And you'll see some of them saved by the grace of God. I hope great numbers of them saved by the grace of God. And so here, Paul said, that's, <clears throat> that's why I want to come and be with you. Now, Paul understanding this in his heart, because he cries out, if you go over to chapter 15, he'll do it again. I, I, want, I want to come and be with you. But Paul, now with this in mind, I, I want to come and share with you what I have. I want you to share with me what you have. And I want us to work together to people, see people saved by the grace of God. And then he goes out with a threefold affirmation in verse number 14. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Paul said, I am debtor. Paul was not indebted because of what he had. Paul was indebted because of what he knew. He knew that Jesus Christ was the answer. He knew that Jesus Christ was the only hope. And he said, I just want to come and be with you so that I can pay a debt that I owe every man. If we could simply understand that we are indebted, we have a debt to pay. I'm quite confident I'm preaching to a congregation of people that you want to pay your bills. If you owe someone something, you want to be honest to it. 
Well, here is something that we owe. And we owe because we know that Jesus Christ is not a answer among many. He is the only answer. And if we don't get that answer to them, multitudes of them will die without Christ and without ever hearing that there is an answer for them. So Paul said, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Verse 15, so as much as in me is, I am ready. Paul said, I'm ready to pay my debt. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. I want you to, I want you to, if you don't underline in your Bible, at least in your mind. In verse 15, the, the first few words. So, as much as in me is. You see that? Well, Paul, do you have the oratorical skills of Apollos? No, Paul would admit, I'm just, <laughs> I'm really not much of a pulpiteer. Uh, I can write pretty good when God gives me the words. But not much at preaching. But as much as in me is, I'm ready. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? If all of us saved by the grace of God would just say, Lord, as much as in me is, it's yours. You say, I wish I could sing like so-and-so. Well, you can't, so why don't you sing like you? Well, I wish I could teach like so-and-so. Well, with some work, perhaps you can. But in the meantime, why don't you teach like you? A young fella told uh, Donald Barnhouse, he said, I'd give the whole world if I could teach the Bible like you. Barnhouse said, good, because that's exactly what it'll cost you. I wish I could preach like so-and-so. A better idea would be you, you preach like you. You are the very best you God ever made. And you're the very worst anybody else. Someone said, if you're not you, who will be? It'll be as though you never existed. Paul said, maybe I can't do it uh, like Simon Peter. Maybe I can't do it like Apollos. Uh, but I can do it, and as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to, to you that are at Rome also. May God help each of us to lay at least that much on the altar. The Lord isn't asking you for more than you have, unless He's going to give it to you. If He's asking you to do something that you say, I just can't do it, well, He's about to enable you to do it. If you'll yield. If you'll just let him. So Paul said, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you there at Rome also. And then in verse 16 he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Oh, I'd like to lay heavy emphasis on that word is. For it is. What is? The gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. We aren't. We aren't the power of God. We're just mailmen. We just deliver the mail. That's, that's what we do. And then, and then we ask the Holy Spirit. Well, actually, before we go do it, we ask the Holy Spirit, and, 
And while we're, do, we're doing it, we ask the Holy Spirit. And after we do it, we ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, take that and do with it what I cannot. In the wee hours of the morning, sometimes a, a fellow that's been witness to will wake up, get up out of bed, and his wife says, is everything all right? He says, I have heartburn. I got to go get me some. But that won't happen too many times until he'll finally figure out it isn't heartburn that he has. It's conviction. And when he yields to that conviction, his heart, uh, his heartburn will be remedied. It is our obligation, it is our duty to take the gospel to them, realizing that it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Not only do we have a work to do, we ought to know what that work is. And we ought to be diligent as Paul was to get that job done. Paul is probably in Corinth. He believes that his job is done there. He said he had reached out as far as he could reach out, not only in Corinth, but in the surrounding areas. He believed that he had done everything he was supposed to do. And he was hoping that once he finished that, God would let him go to Rome. Well, he ended up going to Rome. Not exactly as he intended to. But nonetheless, he went there and had a ministry there. Fulfilled this great desire that he had in his heart. Oh, that we would yearn to serve the Lord. Yearn to serve the Lord. That it would not be just, well, Sunday's over now. Let's go get something to eat and we can go on with our lives. No, I pray tomorrow will be the same life that today is. Not that we're going to come into this place and sit down and sing together. Wish we could. That would be nice if we could do that every day. Well, I do pretty much, but it would be that you do it with me every day. But it should be as we go to our jobs, as we go to our schools, as we go out in the neighborhood and do business, it should be that we yearn as much there to be as faithful to God as we want to be here. When not only the Lord's eyes are on us, but everyone else's as well. Paul said, I long to see you. God give us that great desire. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I know we have these missionary families before us this morning that have a target in mind. And they have a purpose in hitting that target. I pray that every one of us in this room would have a target in mind. As we've heard people tonight call out the gospel tracts that have been handed out. Wonderful missionary work. May all of us desire to invite people to the Lord's house to hear the gospel. To share with others the good news that Jesus saves. To give out the gospel tracts as we go about our day. May we cry out with the great Apostle Paul, who certainly was not in the opening days of his ministry. I long to see you. 
I want to impart unto you what God has given me. I want our faith to mutually encourage each other. And I want us to see people saved. I'm debtor. I'm ready. And I'm not ashamed. And for all that you do for us, I will praise you in Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.